0: At LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Turns and conditions apply. Hello and welcome to another edition of the 4th Sinopoli cultural Podcast. This is a podcast all about Napoli, of course, but you don't have to be a Napoli fan to enjoy it. If you're a Serie A fan, if you're a football fan, looking for the inside scoop on all things Napoli, this is the place to be. I'm your host, Joe Fischetti. Thank you, as always, for joining us. I have three parts for you today. In parts one and two, we're going to review our latest Primavera matches. The first was against Fiorentina midweek and the second was against Milan at the weekend. And then in part 3, we'll review our latest femminile match, which was also against Milan. So let's begin with the Primavera, like I said we played midweek against Fiorentina. This was actually a makeup game from match day 14. That was the final round before the covid break. And this was one of the three matches that was postponed due to COVID. The other two matches were Roma-Genoa and Bologna-Milan. Both of those matches were played on February 9th, but ours was not. If I had to guess why, I'd say we didn't play on the 9th because Ambrosino, Vergara, and Agostino were all called up to play in Italy's U19 friendly against Turkey. Now, I could be wrong about that because Milan and Roma both had players involved in that match as well. But in any event, our match was postponed for a few additional weeks. Fiorentina came into this match sitting 6th in the table which is the final playoff spot. Fiorentina have had an up and down season. They started the campaign with a draw and 2 losses. Then they won 5 straight matches. Since then they haven't been able to string together more than 2 wins and even that they had only done once. But If you look at their schedule a bit closer, Fiorentina's real struggles have come against clubs at the top of the table. They had lost 3 of their previous 8 matches but those 3 losses were against Sampdoria, Juventus and Sassuolo who are all at or near the top of the table. Otherwise, they had 4 wins and a draw including a win over top of the table Roma. The one draw was against a Cagliari side who have shot up to the top of the table as well. Fiorentina were missing two players for this match, left back Michael Cayode was suspended after picking up two yellows in Fiorentina's 3-0 loss to Sassuolo. Meanwhile, center back Filippo Frison was not available as he was called up to the senior team for Fiorentina's Coppa Italia match against Juventus. For Napoli, Frustalupi was missing only two players, Gennaro Iacorino continues to recover from his knee injury, while Daniel Hisai was suspended for yellow card accumulation. So with that, let's get to the starting lineups. Fiorentina lined up in a 4-2-3-1 with Ivan Andonov in goal. Lorenzo Romani and Dino Krastev started at center back. Favasuli played at left back and Gentile played at right back. Giovanni Corradini and Alessandro Bianco started in the double pivot. Luis Monteanu started on the left wing and Ciro Capasso started on the right wing. Vittorio Agostinelli played in the number 10 and Elian started at striker. For Napoli, Frustalupi made two changes to the squad that he fielded against Juventus. He lined up in his usual 3-4-2-1 formation with Huberti Dasiak in goal. Frustalupi made one change to the back three. He started Musa Mane over Daniel Hisai at right center back. Davide Costanzo played at left center back and Benedetto Barba started in the center. Alessandro Spavone and Colisacco started in the center of the midfield with Enrico Giannini on the left and Matteo Marchisano on the right. Giuseppe Ambrosino started at striker so Antonio Cioffi dropped to play with Giuseppe D'Agostino as the two trequartisti and that relegated Antonio Vergara to the bench. So those were the starting lineups, next let's get to the match. Napoli started the match really well, you could clearly see that Frustalupi planned to press high and take away the space and the Azzurini executed that plan with great effect. We forced Fiorentina to make mistakes and we won a lot of throw-ins in the final third when Fiorentina had goal kicks our front three stayed high forcing the viola to go long then Costanzo would step up at midfield and he won quite a few aerial duels which kept the ball in the Fiorentina half. The only problem was that we couldn't hit the target we had three quality chances in the first 20 minutes of the match first in the 11th minute marquezano played a long throw into the area ambrosino did well to hold the ball up with krastev on his back ambrosino took one touch with his head before attempting a bicycle kick and he made really good contact but his shot finished just wide of the mark we had another chance a few minutes later. Baraba played a long ball to Trophy on the left wing. He took the ball down really well before running at Gentile. Chofi did two step overs at the corner of the area to create space for the shot. He tried to curl the shot towards the back post, but he just missed the bottom corner. Even though he missed, for me this play clearly showed that Chofi is ready to take the next step, which I think is to join a Serie B team on loan. The third chance came a minute later ambrosino dispossessed bianco in the center of the park the ball fell for sacco and he went for goal from about 25 yards out but like ambrosino and chofi his shot also just missed the goal so napoli dominated the opening 20 minutes of the match but couldn't find the back of the goal fiorentina settled down after that and then they took control for the balance of the half They created two opportunities to score. The first was a shot on target by Corradini in the 24th minute. The build-up to this chance was really well done. Romani passed to Bianco in the midfield. He dummied for Tochi at the edge of the area. Tochi played the ball out wide to Capasso and he tried to play a low cross back to Tochi. Barba intercepted the pass but the ball fell to Corradini. He rolled his shot on target but he just caught too much of the goal and Idasiak made the save. The second chance was from a corner kick in the 36th minute, Corradini played an in-swinging cross towards the near post, Barba headed the ball clear but only as far as Bianco at the top of the box, he played a short lob to Krastev just inside the area, Krastev volleyed the shot on target with the outside of his right boot but the shot was straight at Idasiak. Other than that though neither side produced many clear cut chances in the first half which ended 0-0. In terms of scoring opportunities, the second half was less eventful than the first. Napoli had a couple of half chances early in the half. Both Sacco and Costanzo attempted shots from outside the area, and both of them missed the target. Things took an unfortunate turn in the 55th minute. Favazuli picked up the ball in the left wing. He took on Marquisano before going down in the area. Now, the replay clearly showed that Marquisano made absolutely no contact with Favazuli. In fact, it looked like Marquezano intentionally pulled up to avoid making contact, but I guess from the angle the official saw the play he thought there was a foul and he awarded the penalty. Unfortunately, there is no VAR in the Primavera because if there was, this penalty decision definitely would have been overturned and Favazzulli would have been cautioned for a simulation. The one thing I will give Fiorentina credit for is they were very patient in the build-up to that penalty. By my count, they made 15 passes before the ball arrived on the foot of Fabazzulli, and most of them were horizontal passes in the midfield. Corredini took the penalty and converted it in convincing fashion so that was impressive as well. He smashed the ball into the bottom corner to put Fiorentina ahead 1-0. Fiorentina nearly added a second 5 minutes later, Romani played a long ball to Tochi on the left wing. He picked out Bianco at the top of the box and the midfielder really should have done better from there. He had a free shot and should have at least hit the target, but instead he skied the ball well over the bar. The way the match was going, I just couldn't see how we would find an equalizer. We lacked energy. We lacked urgency and we really struggled to create anything in the attack. Frustalupi tried to change that in the 64th minute by replacing Marquisano with Antonio Vergara and switching to a 4-4-2 formation. Vergara was probably our most lively player in the final 25 minutes of the match and he created our best opportunity to score. With 10 minutes left to play Giannini played a long throw down the line for Vergara. He let the ball bounce past Krastev before playing a perfect cross into the area on the bounce, which is extremely difficult to do. Vergara put the ball on Sacco's head and the big midfielder made good contact. Unfortunately, though he beat Andonov with the header, he wasn't able to beat the upright. That was easily our best chance to score of the match. Unfortunately, it was our only real chance to score in the second half. Fiorentina didn't create a whole lot either. I thought we defended really well on both sides were careless with the ball. Both teams made a lot of errors that resulted in turning over possession but like I said we never looked like we were going to get that goal back which is too bad considering that Fiorentina were gifted the goal in the first place. Unfortunately that meant that this match ended 1-0 in favor of the Viola. This was Napoli's 5th consecutive loss and it was our 8th loss in our last 10 matches as a result, we dropped down to 13th in the table, only 2 points clear of the relegation playout zone. Now, we do still have a game in hand against bottom-of-the-table Pescara, so you would expect to win that match, and that would give us a little bit more cushion. That loss put us 9 points back of Fiorentina in the final playoff spot, so our hopes of playing for the championship seem to be slipping away. Again, if we win that game in hand, we might have an outside chance of qualifying for the playoff. But now the primary goal is to avoid relegation, and that's probably what the goal was at the start of the season. That will do for part one. In part two, we'll review our next Primavera match, which was on Sunday against Milan. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night, amber hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse, carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see, we could not, but she did. And in the end, what will I become? Senwa Saga, Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Welcome to part 2 of the Forza Napoli podcast. Next, let's review our Primavera match against Milan on Sunday, this was actually the first of 3 matches between Napoli and Milan. First we had this game which was at 4:45 in the morning Eastern Time, which was 10:45 a.m. in Italy. Then we had the Femminile at 8:30 in the morning Eastern Time or 2:30 p.m. local time. We'll review that match in part 3. And of course, we had the senior teams lost to Milan which we reviewed last episode. Milan had a slow start to the season and having collected only 8 points through the first 10 rounds. Found themselves down in the relegation playout zone. They recovered well though, winning 7, drawing 1, and losing only one of their next 8 matches. That saw Milan get right back into the mix for qualification for the playoff. However, their momentum was stalled in their last 2 matches. First, they lost 2 1 to top of the table Roma, and then they lost 3 1 to a direct rival in Atalanta, who are also battling for playoff qualification. Milan have a couple of interesting players in their squad, including 17-year-old Napolitan midfielder Antonio Galla. They also have attacking winger Chaka Traore. He was part of the Parma side that we beat in a penalty shootout to earn promotion last season. And up top, they have Marco Nasti, who came into this match second in the league in scoring, behind only Cagliari's Matteo Tramoni. Meanwhile, Nicolo Frustalupi recovered Daniel Hisai for this match after he served his suspension for the Fiorentina match, which we covered in Part 1. So with that, let's get to the starting lineups. For Milan, Federico Giunti lined up in a 4-3-3 formation with Fotis Festis in goal. Marco Bozzizio and Lucas Stanga played at centre-back. Andrea Bozzolan started at left-back and Andre Kubis started at right-back. Victor Aletu played as the regista behind Antonio Galla and Filippo Tolomello. Andrea Capone started on the left wing, Chaka Traore started on the right wing, and Marco Nasti played at striker. For Napoli, Nicolo Frustalupi made two changes to the squad that he fielded against Fiorentina. He lined up in his usual 3-4-2-1 formation with Hubert Dasiak in goal. Daniel Hisai returned to the starting eleven to start over Musa Mane. He played in the back three with Benedetto Barba and Davide Costanzo. Colisacco and Alessandro Spavone started in the center of the midfield with Enrico Giannini to the left and Matteo Marchisano to the right. Antonio Chofi picked up a minor physical problem just before the match so he started on the bench. As a result, Antonio Vergara started alongside Giuseppe D'Agostino as the two trequartisti and finally Giuseppe Ambrosino started at striker. So those were the starting lineups, next let's get to the match. Napoli got off to a great start, like in the Fiorentina match you could see that Frustalupi instructed his boys to press high and take away the space in the Milan half. That worked to perfection as it didn't take long for the Azzurini to open the scoring. In the 6th minute Giannini played a long throw into the area. Ambrosino did really well to hold off Stanga before laying off the ball to Vergara with his first touch. Almost without thinking, Vergara smacked the ball in the half volley with the outside of his favoured left boot straight into the side netting at the far post. This was an absolutely stunning strike from a player who has quickly become one of Napoli's top prospects. That was his first goal of the season and it was certainly well deserved. Stanga had a really tough match for Milan. Only two minutes after the goal, Barba dispossessed Capone before Sacco played a long ball for to Ambrosino. He outmuscled Stanga before laying the ball off to D'Agostino at the edge of the area. D'Agostino hit the ball first time and hit the target, but Seftis made the save. Other than a header that nasty glanced just wide of the far post, the opening quarter of the match was dominated by Napoli. In the 17th minute, Sacco doubled our lead. ...with his first goal of the season and it was only fitting that the goal came against the club that let him go for free in the summer. This goal ended a sequence of play where Napoli were all over Milan and we seemed to be winning every second ball. Sacco played the ball out wide to Marquisano and he played a low cross back to Sacco in the area. He received the ball with his back to goal used his big frame to shield the ball and then turn and fired. The shot was blocked by Stanga, but with his length, Sacco was first to the rebound and he fired it past Seftis to double Napoli's lead and Sacco made sure to silence his critics as he celebrated his first goal. Milan had an excellent opportunity to pull one back about midway through the first half. Capone, who I thought was Milan's best player in this match, dribbled past D'Agostino and Marquisano on the left wing before playing a low pass into the area. Somehow the ball rolled through to Traore who had a free shot at goal. All he had to do was pick a corner but instead he shot straight into the gloves of Idasiek. That proved to be a costly miss because only 4 minutes later Napoli added a third and once again Stanga was the victim on this goal. Janini played a long ball over the top and Stanga made the mistake of letting the ball bounce. That allowed Ambrosino to nip in with a little header to his right. Ambrosino spotted Seftis off his line and calmly lobbed the ball over the keeper to put Napoli up 3-0 only half an hour into the match. That was his 11th goal of the season to go along with 4 assists. You could see that Milan were frustrated after falling so far behind so early in the match. In the 32nd minute, Stanga was cautioned for a foul on Ambrosino and then he nearly got himself sent off on a couple of occasions. In the 34th minute he made a very risky slide tackle on Ambrosino but despite Ambrosino going to ground the official ruled it to be a clean tackle and only awarded a throw in. Then a minute later Stanga jumped on the back of Vergara to win a header again Napoli were only awarded a throw in but the official had a word with Stanga after that play presumably to tell him to calm down. Tempers flared up again in the 38th minute first Aletu shoved Spavone to the ground. Then after the whistle, Nasty tackled D'Agostino, so that drew a crowd in the middle of the park. Nasty was cautioned for his involvement in that little scrum, but play resumed and eventually everyone seemed to calm down after that. Other than a half chance for Tolomello, Milan didn't have any legitimate opportunities to score until about a minute before the break. Nasty did really well to prevent the long ball from going out to touch on the left wing. Then he ran straight at Hisai before attempting to curl the ball towards the far post. However he caught too much of the goal and Idasiak made a relatively easy catch. So Napoli went into the break up 3-0. With such a wide margin it seemed like Frustalupi instructed the team to protect the lead and they did a great job of that in the second half. Milan applied the pressure right from the start of the second half but Napoli defended really well. Sacco sat in front of the center backs and ate up any balls played into the area. He also blocked some shots with that big frame of his. This was easily one of Sacco's strongest performances of the season. One area where Milan seemed to be having success was on the left wing. Capone did a great job of driving towards the byline and cutting the ball back into the area, but there always seemed to be a Napoli shirt there to clear the danger. Milan won their share of corner kicks in the second half, but they didn't do a whole lot with them. The closest they came was in the 55th minute. Bozzizio won the header from the corner, but it finished wide of the mark meanwhile Napoli wisely waited for their moments to strike and we certainly had our chances to add a fourth goal in the 49th minute Vergara kept the ball in play and then dribbled through about four Milan players before running into substitute Clinton Ciala in the area Vergara went to ground and had Napoli not been up by three I think we might have been awarded a penalty for obstruction there but the official let them play Ambrosino picked up the loose ball and then he went to ground but the official determined that there was no contact so not only did he not award the penalty, he also cautioned the young striker for simulation. Then in the 58th minute Vergara won a free kick about 25 yards from goal. Curiously that foul by Ciala was almost identical to the one that was not given as a penalty though substitute Gabriele Alessi also put his hand on Vergara's back on that play so perhaps the foul was called on Alessi. Ambrosino went direct for a goal on the free kick and just missed the top corner finally in the 83rd minute d'Agostino picked up the ball inside the Napoli half and made an incredible Maradona style run he dribbled past four players including Tolomello Bozzizio and Ciala to get 1v1 with the keeper unfortunately unlike Maradona he wasn't able to finish the play Seftis was quick off his line to make the save which was unfortunate because it's been a tough year for d'Agostino I don't know if it's the stiffer competition between Primavera 1 and Primavera 2 or perhaps the change in manager and formation but D'Agostino's productivity has definitely declined this season. Last season he had 4 goals and 10 assists in 20 appearances compared to this season where he has only 2 goals and 3 assists in 21 appearances. So hopefully D'Agostino can add a few goals and assists before the end of the campaign. In the end he didn't need to score in this one. Despite their best efforts, Milan were not able to break through and Napoli recorded a 3-0 victory, much to the content of the Curva B-Ultras, who were in attendance to take in this match. With the win, we moved up one position in the table, overtaking Hellas Verona, who lost 2-0 to Fiorentina. We were also fortunate that Spal drew Bologna 2-2 as they were both below us in the table. Unfortunately, Lecce upset Atalanta, so we didn't pull away from Lecce at all. They actually closed the gap on Bologna as the two teams currently in the playout positions and Empoli got an important draw against Inter to remain one point above the relegation playoff zone. So at that point we were four points clear of the relegation zone plus we still have a game in hand against bottom of the table Pescara so this win gave us a little bit of breathing room. The Azzurini were back in action on Wednesday to play against Atalanta. We'll review that match and the match at the weekend against Empoli sometime next week that will do for part two in part three we'll review our latest feminile match hello it is ryan and i was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com i looked over the person sitting next to me and you know what they were doing they were also playing jumba casino Welcome to part 3 of the Forza Napoli podcast. We'll close the pod with a review of our latest femminile match which was against Milan as well. Milan came into this match sitting 4th in the table. They were 8 points back of Juventus at the top of the table so the Scudetto is probably not a realistic goal for them given how good Juventus are. However, they are very much competing for Champions League qualification If I'm not mistaken the top 2 clubs in the league qualify for the Champions League, Roma were in 2nd in the table 3 points back of Juventus and 5 points ahead of Milan, Sassuolo were in 3rd, 3 points ahead of Milan. Milan came into this match in fine form, they drew their previous match to Sassuolo 0-0 which I'm sure was disappointing for Milan given that Sassuolo were immediately above them in the table but for that very reason it was still a decent result. Prior to that match, Milan had won 7 of their previous 8 matches in all competitions. The only match they didn't win was against Juventus in the Supercoppa Final. Milan beat Roma 2-1 in the Supercopa Semi-Final to get to that match against Juventus. Other than that game, they had been piling on the goals. They've really beat up on Hellas Verona and Sampdoria of late. They beat Hellas Verona 3-0 in the final match of the group stage of the Coppa Italia. Then they beat them 6-0 in Serie A. They followed up that win with a 4-0 victory over Sampdoria in the league and then back to back 4-1 victories over Sampdoria in the Coppa Italia. In between those Coppa Italia matches they also beat Lazio 3-1 in the league so if you do the math Milan have outscored their opponents 24-6 in their previous 8 matches in all competitions and they had 3 wins and a draw in their previous 4 Serie A matches. So we knew we would have our hands full for this match Meanwhile, we came into this match having won our previous two matches, which may not seem like a big deal, but it was the first time all season that we've won consecutive matches. Giulia Domenichetti and Roberto Castorina were missing three players for this match. Both Evi Popedinova and Depi Chatsy Nicolao continued to recover from their respective knee surgeries, while Eleonora Goldoni was surprisingly ruled out for this match as well. Three Primavera players were called up to fill in the gaps, midfielders Carmina Botta and Matteo Gallo. And forward Marika Caputo. So, with that, let's get to the starting lineups. Milan lined up in a 3 4 3 with Laura Giuliani in goal. Laura Fuzetti, Laura Agard, and ex Napoli player Gudni Arnadottir lined up as the back three. Greta Adami and Christy Grimshaw started in the center of the midfield with Linda Cimini on the left and Sara Triga on the right. Valentina Bergamaschi started on the left wing. Lindsay Thomas started on the right wing and Miriam Longo started at striker. For Napoli, Domenichetti and Castorina made a number of changes to the squad that they fielded against Hellas Verona. They switched to a 3-5-2 formation with Raquel Baldi starting again in goal. With the change in formation, the personnel for this match was quite different to that of the Hellas Verona match. Maria Wona and Hedén Corrado returned to the starting 11. They played in the back three with Lana Golob. Sara Tui dropped to play in the center of the midfield with Claudia Mauri to her left and Sofia Colombo to her right. This was Mauri's first match against her former club. Sedia Bramson and Kaya Ertsen moved up to play at left and right wing back, respectively. Ertsen wore the captain's armband for this one, which was nice to see. I think she definitely deserves that. Finally, Sola James and Romina Pina played as the two strikers. So those were the starting lineups next let's get to the match. This match really could not have started any worse with Tomas putting Milan ahead not even 2 minutes into the match. The play started with a throw in by Chimini down the line to Adami who flicked it onto Bergamaschi. She played the through ball into space and Tomas turned on the afterburners. Tomas outpaced Awona who's also pretty quick to the ball and passed it into the bottom corner to give Milan the very early lead. Credit to our ladies though, they responded well and should have equalized in the 8th minute. Ertzen made a fantastic tackle on Fuzetti just inside the Napoli half. Colombo passed to Sole and she chipped the ball forward with the outside of her right boot. Giuliani came off her line but quickly realized that she wasn't going to get to that ball in time. Instead, she found herself in no man's land. Ertzen got to the ball first but it was on her left boot so she squared the ball to Pina who put the ball into the back of the empty goal. Unfortunately, Pina was a step ahead of Ertzen, so the linesman put up his flag and the goal did not stand. In retrospect, Ertzen probably should have gone for goal, I think she might have had the ball been on her preferred right foot. If she didn't have Arnaud and Grimshaw chasing her down, she might have dragged the ball onto her right foot and tried to shoot around Giuliani. In any event, the score remained 1-0 for Milan. After that, the match settled down and either side created many opportunities to score. Milan came close from a corner kick in the 28th minute. Fuzetti played an in-swinging corner to the second post where Chimini was left unmarked. All she had to do was hit the target, albeit from a tight angle, but Chimini got under the ball and it finished well off target. Milan came close again in the 38th minute from a free kick. Chimini played an in-swinging cross into the area from the left side of the midfield. Tomas won the header and directed the ball towards the top corner, but Baldi was well positioned to make the save. There would have been quite the controversy had that ball gone in because I thought that free kick was rather dubious. The officials seemed to think that Corrado handled the ball, in fact, he must have thought she handled the ball intentionally because he cautioned Corrado for the foul. However, the replay showed quite clearly that the ball came off her chest and didn't hit her hand at all. Other than the goal, it was a fairly even half. Really, the difference was Napoli's poor decision making. I mentioned Ertzen passing to Pina shortly after the Milan goal. In the 43rd minute, Maori pressed Adami to rush her pass. Colombo intercepted the pass with her header to Sole. She had Pina wide open in the middle of the park, and had she played the pass, we almost certainly would have scored. Instead, Sole tried to shoot from about 40 yards out and did not come anywhere near the goal. That was the final chance for either side in the first half, so Milan went into the break up a goal to nil. The opening 15 minutes of the second half was fairly uneventful and then we got a flurry of chances. First in the 59th minute Longo dribbled past the one on the right side of the area but Baldi stopped her shot which was bending towards the bottom corner at the far post. Baldi made another save about 10 minutes later. Chimini went direct for a goal on a free kick from about 25 yards out. The shot was straight at Baldi and though she bobbled the catch, she recovered quickly and grabbed the loose ball before any Milan players could get there. Baldi was fantastic once again in this match. Since she joined Napoli, she has showed time and time again just how good she is in the air. It seemed like every time Milan put the ball into the area, Baldi was the first to get to it and she has such great hands that whenever she goes up to get the ball, she almost always comes down with it safely. Napoli came close to equalizing on a couple of occasions, both Sola and Ertzen watched as their shots hit the outside of the goal. For a second, everyone thought Ertzson's found the back of the goal, but it was a bit of an optical illusion with the shot being taken from the far side of the pitch. Milan should have doubled their lead in the 78th minute. Fifi played a ball over the top to Bergamaschi and she was clear on goal. She had only Baldi to beat and all she had to do was pick a corner but instead she tried to chip the keeper and shot straight at Baldi. Napoli came back the other way with Ertzen coming close only a minute after that Bergamaschi miss. She did really well to dribble past Cimini but once again her shot finished just wide of the near post. Now in the 79th minute, Domenichetti and Castorina replaced Mauri with Martina Tognolo and that proved to be a wise decision. With only 5 minutes left to play, Sole won a free kick on the edge of the area. Tognolo and another substitute, Emma Eriko, stood over the ball. Tognolo took the free kick and placed it perfectly in the top corner to level the score at 1. This was an absolutely stunning strike by the midfielder. That actually sent Milan reeling for a minute and in the 89th minute Napoli very nearly took the lead. Ertsen played a long ball forward to Pina on the right wing. She made a great move to skip past Arna Dottier. All she had to do was shoot for the bottom corner or even square the ball to Sola in front of the goal. Instead she took too many touches and was closed down by Giuliani. That was a huge missed opportunity and Milan recovered well after that. They poured on the pressure during the 4 minutes of stoppage time but thankfully Napoli defended well to get a well-deserved 1-1 draw. Despite the missed opportunity to win the match, this was still a fantastic result for Napoli against an in-form Milan side. We've now picked up 7 points in our last 3 matches, that's nearly half of the 15 points we've collected all season. Unfortunately, Empoli beat Hellas Verona on Saturday and Pomigliano upset Inter while this match was going on, so we actually lost ground on 2 of our direct rivals, which really sucks. However Sampdoria beat Fiorentina so we drew level with them on 15 points and because we won both of our matches against Fiorentina we are technically ahead of them in the table which means we are now out of the relegation zone. This was actually a round of upsets with Lazio shocking Sassuolo. The Bianco Celesti beat the Nero Verdi 3-1 meanwhile Roma drew Juventus 1-1 so shockingly the machine that is Juve has dropped points in consecutive matches. Speaking of Juventus, we have them next, so that will be a very tough match with Juve looking to get back into the win column. So that will do for this review, that will also do it for this episode. If you liked what you heard, please share it with a friend and leave us a rating on your favorite podcast platform. As always, if you'd like to get a hold of me, you can find me on Twitter at Joe underscore Fisket D5, and you can find the podcast on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Pod. I'll be back with another episode soon to preview our match against Hellas Verona at the weekend, but until then, I'm Joe Fischetti, Forza Napoli sempre!